0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. If you'll open your Bibles, Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. And today marks the end of our spiritual warfare series before we get into the Christmas spirit of things. But how important has this series been to you? Understanding why spiritual warfare is something that everybody faces every minute of every day. And to understand what God has called us to do. And what God can do for us if we just allow ourselves to let him in. And take care of the things that we certainly do not know how to do on our own. John Calvin has said to fulfill... The task of protecting us, the angels fight against the devil and all our enemies and carry out God's vengeance. And if you've never read it, you need to. But in Billy Graham's book, Angels, God's Secret Agents, there is the story of a missionary named John Paton who was stationed along with his wife in the new um, Hebrides Islands. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but the Hebrides Islands. And one night, they were surrounded by hostile natives who were intent on killing them and burning the station. And so John and his wife prayed through the night in hopes that God would deliver them And when dawn arrived, the natives were gone. One year later, when the tribal chief was led to Christ, John and his wife asked him why they did not attack. The chief was very surprised by this question. And he asked, who were all those men you had with you there? The chief stated he was afraid to attack because he had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments that encircled that mission station. And with their swords drawn, nonetheless. Billy Graham asked, could it be that God sent a legion of angels to protect his servants whose lives were being endangered? Do you believe that's a possibility? Yes. Absolutely. God's word this morning will portray an account very similar to this one. And what I hope is that we will discover that there is an unseen war that is taking place around us at all times. And the devil is working hard against those who serve and obey the Lord. The main thing that I want us to see. Is how we should respond. To the attacks of the devil. We know the tactics of the devil. And we know what God says. What to do in those situations. But what should our response be to all of this? What is all this leading up to? How do we thus respond to spiritual attacks first we know we must hear and obey god we must hear and obey god verses 8 through 10 of second kings says this now the king of syria was making more against israel and he consulted with his servants saying my camp will be in such and such a place And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. And then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So we read here of how the Lord was watching out for his people of Israel. And for as the Syrian king was planning on the location in which to attack Israel. And the Lord spoke, the man of God here, who was, do we know? Elisha. And he warned him of the location of the Syrian camp. And in obedience to the revelation from God, Elisha then informed the king of Israel so that the so that Israel would not be caught off guard or ambushed. The Israelite king then deployed a soldier in that area to check out the situation. And when he relayed back the information that Elisha's report was true, and Israel did not go that way. We learn here that the Lord speaks to us. And he expects us to respond to him in obedience. The Israelite king was obedient not to go the way in which Elisha had warned him. And Elisha was obedient as well. For he chose to speak to the king of Israel after God's revelation was given. We need to know that the word preached is the voice of God to us. Not just to the person sitting next to us, but us. And I know that can only happen by the work of the Holy Spirit. He must be the one who convicts and draws people before I preach because I realize that without the work of the Holy Spirit... Nothing of eternal consequence will happen. It doesn't matter what I say, what I write down, what I read, what I am involved in as far as ministry goes. I know nothing can be done unless the Holy Spirit is present. Have you had the Lord speak to you over the last few weeks? Or maybe the last few months. It may be during a Sunday service. It may be during a Bible study. And it may be in your own personal quiet time. But however it happened, you knew that God was speaking to you. It felt like a verse of scripture just kind of jumped out and struck you. And you knew it was God himself Speaking to you. How has God spoken to you recently? And if God hasn't spoken to you recently, then your whole relationship with God is in danger. Can you imagine having a relationship with someone and never speaking with them? When a husband and wife have a time of not speaking to each other, that's never good. The Lord does speak to us at all times. We just need to learn to be quiet and listen. Like I would say in our marriages, right? We just need to be quiet and listen. I know, you give me those eyes every week I do something. (laughs) And I say this knowing full well that when I get into that situation... I'm not always quiet and listening. But knowing that I have a Savior that is always willing and able and is speaking to me and speaking to you should give us great comfort. Knowing that we can rely upon Him. One thing that I have found helpful is having a time of silence in the beginning of my own personal devotional time. And it's usually when I first get into the office at church. It kind of quiets my mind and heart and prepares me for what God would speak to me and have me do. And we can do that before we listen to a sermon or attend a Bible study class. We can be quiet and we can quiet our hearts in silence. We can learn to be expectant, anticipating that God will speak. And we can pray that God would open our ears and clear out our minds and soften our hearts to receive what he has for us, which is what I hope we pray every morning here, is that we allow God and we allow the Holy Spirit to come and take over the service. And let it not be the pastor's words. Let it not be the pastor's worship. But God himself leading us to where he'd have us be. It may be that God has spoken to you in the past. And maybe you've just forgotten. That's one problem that I know that I have. I'll listen to a message or I'll read a verse. And... It will strike me deeply, and then, lo and behold, I forget about it. One thing that helps me is writing it down, and that's why I'm a big champion of writing notes for sermons. Not because so I can sit here and read to you and hope that you get something. It's so that I know that when my thoughts are clear, and I am with, commune with God, and I'm allowing Him to speak through me, that I'm not going to miss something that I know that you need because God has called me to say it. Some people say, well, why do you have so many notes? Or why do you have this? Or why do you have that? Partially because maybe it's what I'm used to. Partially it's because I'm afraid I'm going to get up here and I'm going to forget what to say. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to speak and do what he does, it's not going to matter what I say. It's not going to be what I say. And it's not going to be what you hear. And that's the goal. That is the goal. But however you do it, treasure God's spoken word to you. Proverbs 4.13 says, hold on the instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, and I know a lot of us in here have read that book because we've had Bible studies and correspondence to that. But he says you understand spiritual truth because the Holy Spirit works in your life. You cannot understand God's word unless the Spirit of God teaches you. So when you read the word, the author himself is present to instruct you. Truth is never discovered. Do you realize that? Truth is never discovered. Truth is revealed. Truth is revealed. When the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you, he is not leading you to an encounter with God. That is an encounter with God. Christians say all the time that they want to experience the presence of God. But we need to realize that when we hear the word of God and the Lord speaks to us directly to our hearts, that is an encounter with God. And it's precious. We need to treasure and long for God's voice to us. But once we hear God's voice, what we do next is very essential. We can't just hear the word and then leave it at that. When God speaks, it is for the purpose of changing our lives and we have to act. We have to act. The Lord does speak and God will speak to our hearts in our prayer time. He will speak to us to our time in scripture. He will speak through circumstances and he will speak to us through his people, the church. When God speaks, We have a choice to be obedient or disobedient. And hopefully, hopefully, we will all respond in obedience to what he asks. So this is what I encourage you to do. Whenever the Lord speaks, step out in faith and do exactly what he asks. Don't try to do things your way. Do things his way. Verses 11 through 14 says that the enemy will attack. Not he might. Not it's a possibility. He will attack. Verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. The king of Syria was perplexed as to how the Israelites were avoiding his attacks, and he asked if there was a spy among his own royal court and soldiers. And one of the servants replied that there was not a spy among them, but that Elisha, the prophet, was warning Israel of his planned attacks. And after he found out what Elisha was doing, he sent some soldiers to go and find him. And the king did not just send a few soldiers. He sent a great army there, as he says in verse 14. So remember, Elisha warned Israel about Syria's planned attacks, right? And because he was being obedient to what God asked of him, as a result, he was the one targeted for attack. If we are disobedient to the Lord, then we will be out of his will. And whenever we are out of God's will then we won't have much of an impact for the kingdom. So whenever we are not doing much for the Lord, then we are not a threat to the enemy. And he will likely leave us alone. However, if we respond in faith and obedience to what God asks of us, we will begin to see God's work in us. And in our life in a mighty way. Amen. And when that happens. We become a threat to Satan. Not vice versa. We fight spiritual attacks. Because we're allowing them to happen. God has not ordained this to happen to us. We do it to ourselves. Because we are not in God's will. Allow me to briefly review an important concept in spiritual warfare for us. If you turn to First Peter chapter five, verse eight, you can make reference, but it tells us your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I know we've covered this verse several times in this series. 1 Timothy three seven says that we should be careful lest we fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Does it say that God puts us in the way? Who puts us in the way of the devil? We do. We do. And Satan really does try to attack us and devour us. So, how does he attack? We've covered several ways in the last 11 weeks, but... He attacks us in our mind. He attacks us in our heart. First Peter 1.13, we are told, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And in Romans 12.2, Paul advised us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The battle is in our mind because it is not a physical battle. Because it is a spiritual one. And that's why we call it spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians ten four through 5 informs us, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of the flesh... But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, which deals with the reasoning in the mind here. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge or what is in the mind of God. Bringing every thought, again dealing with the mind, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Christ. So we must remember that there is an unseen war going on all around us. All the time. And it is a spiritual war. And even when people come against us, such as we will see with Elijah, there is still something taking place on the spiritual level. But even having said all that, and we know that the battle is long, And we know that it's hard and it's difficult. And we're not always successful. God's got our back. God is there with us. Uh, Verses 15 through 17. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now for me, these verses are the highlight of the passage. We see that when the Syrian army surrounded Elisha's place, that his servant became very afraid. And he cried out, what shall we do? What are we going to do now? But Elisha replied, do not fear. For those who are with them. And Elisha prayed that the eyes of his servant would be open to all that was going on. And when he looked upon the mountain and saw the accumulation and the numerous horses and chariots of fire, he must have thought to himself, wow. And it probably gave him chills. I can only imagine he was standing there. I can see. I understand. We have that ability too. If we open our eyes to the will of the Lord, just think of what He can show you. The opportunity that you will have to see the truth. And what He saw were those who are with us, or the servants of God, the angels. They saw chariots of fire as well. Psalm sixty-eight seventeen reveals the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. And then we read in Hebrews 1, 7 and Psalm 104, 4, that the Lord makes his angels spirits and a flame of fire. And then in 2 Thessalonians tells us that when Christ returns, he will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. The Lord has warrior angels in his charge. Psalm 78. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble. By sending angels of destruction among them. And then in Psalm 91, which we read this morning. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. In all your ways. So there is an unseen battle going on all around us. And just as the Lord sends his angels to guard over us and help us with the fight, the enemy has his angels as well. We read of how Lucifer tried to exalt himself above the Lord and how God kicked him out of heaven. Along with his angels. The account is told in Revelation chapter 12. It says this. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old. Called the devil and Satan. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Jude six says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And then in Second Peter chapter two we were told God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down. And delivered them into the chains of darkness. So we know that the devil has his own legion of angels. And scripture tells us that even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Now I've said earlier that Satan comes against us in the battlefield of our minds. And that even when other people come against us. There is still something taking place on the spiritual level. And Satan will try to work against our minds to deceive us into sin. But he can also work in the minds of others and persuade them to harm us and come against us. When Satan can't discourage us in our own mind from doing the Lord's will, and then we step out in faith and follow God in obedience... The devil will use his angels or demons to get other people to come against us. And if he can't defeat us internally, he will come externally through others. We're not safe from this. Other than the fact that we have a Savior who is already fighting that battle for us. And that gift of salvation is offered to everyone who will just believe. Whenever Satan comes against us, whether it is in our own minds or through other people, let us not be afraid. For if we continue in what is right and honorable in the sight of God, nothing shall withstand us. 1 Peter chapter 3, And he who is Excuse me. Yes, 1 Peter 3:13 says, "And he who is who will harm you if you become followers of what is good." And we also read in Romans 8:31, "If God is for us, who can be against us?" The angels of Satan, the principalities and powers, and the demons cannot cause us to fall so long as we are saved through Jesus Christ and keep our focus on him. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. We remember who Jesus is, why he came, why he lived, why he died, and most importantly, why he was resurrected In addition to this, we know that God reveals his power. It's evident now more than ever. And if you can't see it, we need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes. Verses 18 through 20. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And now Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And so it was, when they had came to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and they they were inside Samaria. So whenever we hear from God, step out in obedience in his will. Trust him to see us through. And the Lord will reveal his mighty hand in power. Amen? It's what he does, and it's what he does best. Elisha was doing God's will here. Therefore the Lord answered his prayer to strike these people with blindness. First of all, we need to make note of how Elisha did spiritual battle through prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, which is our passage that we focus mainly on in this series about spiritual warfare, verse 18 shows us the most important weapon. It states, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So we know that prayer is a vital component in the armor of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we are told that this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. As long as we walk in obedience to God's commands and his will... And ask according to his will, the Lord will fight for us. He will fight for us. And the last portion of this is probably the most difficult, and most of us struggle with, and that is we must love our enemies. Verses 21 and 23. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And then in verse 23. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. We see here that Elisha spared the lives of the Syrian soldiers. And that he even gave them food and water and released them from captivity. 1 John chapter 3 says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. So we are told that God's will is to know Jesus Christ And to love one another. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so, what he's desiring to point out to us here is that God will fight for us and vindicate us, but we must place it all in his hands. We must place it in his hands as we love others. We should never try to take matters into our own hands because that only hinders the work of the Lord. If we truly understand that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood when people come against us, then we will have compassion towards those who seek our harm, knowing they can't help themselves. If we ever expect these people to change then we must demonstrate love. We must love them and then we must serve them as Elijah fed and served those soldiers. If we love them then they will possibly open their hearts to receive the bread of life And which we know is Jesus Christ and the bread of the word of God and it is up to us to feed people, and make it a point to set them free. In closing, I need to remind us again that when there is a war going on around us that is unseen, and all these things are going on around us, the battle is within the mind and the battle is within the heart. And right now Satan is deceiving someone into believing they are okay in life and that they don't need Jesus for anything. The be- the devil is probably telling you that you are a good person and that you are sure to go to heaven when you die because you're good. I am here to inform us that no one is good enough to enter heaven. And no one can do anything to earn his or her way into heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. We are not able to work enough or be good enough to get into heaven. We can only get into heaven by having what? Jesus. Jesus. By having faith. You might be asking, faith in what? We know that answer. We put our faith solely upon Jesus Christ And nothing else. And then when we believe that truly full. Our eyes can be opened. To the truth. And reveal to you. What God has on the horizon. And it will empower us. It will give us the opportunity to be bold. Courageous. When speaking the truth to others. Romans 10:9 tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved. And that's it. That is how we fight the spiritual fight. Knowing full well the things that we cannot see that God is working through us to complete that fight to fight that battle for us. And like we said before, we just have to get out of the way. Put our faith in Jesus Christ. Let him do the work. But God will bless us in that, that we put everything aside and be in accordance to the will of God. Amen? Dave. And as we go into this new week, may we allow Jesus to go before us and call upon Emmanuel this Christmas season. Let's stand together and let's sing this. Emmanuel. Oh thank you for our time together this morning. And I pray that if there's an individual here who does not know you, that does not have a relationship to you, that today would be that day they make that choice to follow you, to understand why we celebrate the season that we do, to understand we have nothing without the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who we must put our full faith And to understand that, Lord, we cannot fight these battles. Only you can. And, Lord, you use us as your soldiers to bring others to the kingdom. Lord, I relish in that opportunity. I look forward to that day when we will all be in heaven glorifying you. And to hear those great words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ that we could all have if we just believe. Thank you for the hope of eternal salvation that we have through your son. And thank you for the time we've had here today. Keep everyone safe to their appointed destinations, Lord. And Lord, let everything that we say and do be an honor to you. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord.